Welcome aboard. I'm Brad. I'm Eric. And I'm Scott. Welcome to My Ship Story Podcast. This is a podcast where we invite crew members, both past and present, to tell their stories about life at sea. So come up to the pool bar and grab a drink. Sit back, relax, because it's time for My My Ship Ship Story. Story. (laughs) That was terrible. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show today. Rich Burt, which was a sound engineer for um, the cruise ships and stuff, a lot of them that I was on. Before we get to Rich, let's check in with the guys and see what's happening. We'll go with Brad. Are you ready for this weather? I'm always prepared. Just just let her rip. You're you're gonna get a lot more than I think they're forecasting here, but no, I think it's gonna miss miss us pretty much. I think it's mostly East. I, uh, I finally went to the doctor today because I have been having trouble hearing out of my left ear for uh, about a year. <laughs> and I finally decided to go to the doctor and I'm like, Hey, I found out I have a perforated eardrum. Yeah. Well, it's not that bad. Well, I don't know. I have no idea, but uh, I mean, that says to me, you got a hole in your ear. Yeah, basically. Yeah. That's, that's it. So that's, <laughs> that's why I've been not being able to hear it's one of those things of, uh, you know, do I really get it fixed or not? Because it's so convenient sometimes just not being able to hear anything. It's, it's really nice. A lot of times I just, I I go back and forth. Do I get this fixed or not? But yeah, I'm finally on the, I'm finally on the, okay. I want to hear again. Well, I mean, you know, you, you, we've only got, you know, 15, 20 years to live. So, oh yeah. For you. I mean, I'm ah, 10, maybe for me, God, I'm on the countdown. You'll you'll be fine. Your, your liver's pickled. I'm sure. I'm on the final countdown. Eric, what's going on? We'll see what's going on with Eric. We can't hear you. My dogs are barking. So I muted myself. No, I was, see, there you go. And there she goes again. So no, I was, I've been on and off because my dogs have been decided to get active and bark at one another. So I will mute myself often to try to avoid the barking, but um, yeah, no, nothing. I busy day, real estate day, nothing much going on. You had that ear story. I thought you were going to go and the doc, cause I had a friend in college who was having trouble with his ears. He couldn't hear it was. So the doctor went and checked it out and pulled like a big piece of paper that was stuck in his ear and he had no idea. <laughs> and I thought that's what you were going to say. Something silly like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i've seen this there's a couple of doctors yeah. like that on tiktok that this ear doctor that that you know it's it grosses me out but it's like one of these things you can't stop watching because they dig this wax that's the size of your thumb out of these people's oh. ear it's just bleh. you know the whole time you're like oh but you can't stop oh watching. are you one of those that watches pimple poppers no that is not me at all no, i know people that's... that are like i love that it's so awesome and i'm like that is no, the most disgusting thing. That is the yeah. last thing I want to be watching. Uh, the yes. last. <laughs> I'll watch earwax removal over people. Let me ask you a question. So uh, today, you know how Facebook and every social media finds out, you know, who you are and what you do and, you know, that we do a podcast. So I get all these advertisements about um, podcast equipment. Uh, and so do we need like a, do, do I need to get like a sound box or do we need a sound box that <laughs> has applause or laughter or size or, you know, things like that? that I mean, can- it's, it could be funny. I know that I know other podcasts that do that. Um, I don't know. Depends on how much it costs and is it worth, you know, kind of having something like that. Put them, boom. 
I don't know. It'd be kind of funny. I mean, it's not that expensive. It's like 80 bucks, but I listen to a podcast called TBTL too beautiful to live. And one of their big things is they do drops is their thing. So it's like uh, outtakes, little snippets from like movies and TVs and that kind of stuff and news and that kind of stuff. And one of my favorites is uh, they said I was drunk, but I only had eight beers. <laughs> well, hey, so let's get on with the show and bring our guest, Rich Burt, on the show. Like I said, he was a, a sound engineer from a long time ago. So, Rich, uh, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. It's, I haven't literally hey, welcome, seen Rich. or Rich or heard Rich or talked to you since it's got to be at least 20 years ago. I think the last time I talked to you, I stayed with you guys up in your, your high rise in Miami. Yeah, because you weren't at the reunion in Fort Lauderdale, were you? You did the ship. You didn't do the hotel. Yeah. Yeah, so that would have been 1994? No. Yeah, probably 94. 2004, maybe. No. Well, I was oh, still did, on yo, ships in 1994. 2004, no, we were, we were gone. We moved, we moved from that apartment to uh, Pembroke Pines, Miramar in 95, after we had our daughter, 95, 96. Oh, oh, well, okay. Maybe I stayed with you while I was still working on the ship. Yeah, I think it was, I was on, on, I think on the ship. I think you got off the ship and came out, came and stayed with us before you went home or something yeah. about along those lines. So do you do you uh, recognize Eric or Brad at, at all from back then? They were No, posters. I don't recognize them now. Maybe pictures from back then, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. But one of you guys, one of you guys did Renaissance too, I heard. Yeah, I did. And I was on The Legend right after it came out i wasn't on the startup team but you I, on the joined, I wasn't on the crossing, crossing but i joined <laughs> i joined oh you got off on the crossing okay well i no, joined I was there in a, for the crossing and then oh, okay. i think i got off right as right in the middle of all the press junkets yeah i i joined in alaska uh, doing the end of the alaska run and then hawaii and in sonata so i i just missed you i came back to the legend i don't know if it was a year after it was out two years after it was out because of uh the lights in the showroom had to be replaced. And of course we had to do it in Alaska. So it was a, a big debacle because I was working out of the office and they bought these brand new lights for the legend that had never been used. We had the beta version of them, big monster moving lights that weighed about 75 pounds each. Are these are the very and lights. The the Martins, the Martin 1220s, oh. those big ones yeah. that um we tried something that was supposed to be super quiet and it didn't work. So we had to replace them. And was it Juno? Where we had the tender in Alaska, one of the whichever uh, port we had the tender was, in, it uh, was Ket, um, in Ketchikan? Ketchikan. Yeah, well, hold on a second. In Ketchikan, you have to go. Oh God, where is it? The tender because Ketchikan, that's the airport that you fly into, and you have to take a ferry over from the airport. Okay, so there's it wasn't Skagway. I thought it was no. Juno. I thought it was Juno because we no. had to bring the we had to no. bring all these lights out on a fair on a boat. No, no we Unless, docked. We docked in Juno. Okay, so the only thing that could happen is that. Sometimes if you were the la last ship in, you have to tender when you arrive you and then wait. Yeah, there was no room. Then the ships, as the ships leave, then you can come in and dock. But that used to happen. That did happen in Juno. If 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 the ship wasn't on the early uh, one of the early ships to get there, it could have been it could have been something like that because we had to put twenty five of these massive lights on a tender and then get them on oh. board, and it was just <laughs> a nightmare. <laughs> you know, I've only known you when you were. I don't even think that you really did a contract on ships you installed and came and changed and stuff but i don't know what you did before ships so let's start with a, a background of rich burt and tell us kind of where you came from what you were doing before ships and and how you came on the ships all right um so way back in the day i graduated college i had a couple jobs that followed out 
um, for various reasons. And in college, I had done tech work to, it was the best paying job for beer money. <laughs> so I'd gotten a, a quite a bit of lighting experience, believe it or not, in college. And I, when the jobs didn't work out, um, I was at home. My sister's saxophone teacher said, there's a school in Orlando called Full Sail. So I went to Full Sail in, she's 19, it was 19, 86, 87. And it wasn't oh, wow. even a school. Yeah, it wasn't even You're really old. a school back then. I didn't then. know you were that old. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm officially old. I've replaced a body part already. So I graduated in 86 and I'm like, he's already beyond that. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I went to, to Full Sail. It was in a warehouse. It wasn't even an accredited school back then. And they only ran 50 kids a year through it. And I came out of Full Sail and was working at Disney, as you do here in Orlando. There was a show out at Epcot called the... Uh, the Daredevil Circus. So it was right in the Tomorrowland. They had uh, platformed over the the fountain and they did this Daredevil Circus. There were motorcycles that ran up to the the big sphere. There were pole guys on the on the roofs. There was all this, but um, the show uh, ended up being closed down because people were getting hurt. It, uh, weather conditions, you know, here in Florida, and especially in the summer, you know, thunder, lightning, rain. Um, so the show didn't run that much. So I was actually set to move up in the audio ranks on that show and they closed it down. So now they had this plethora of texts at Disney and I went back to full sail to visit and say hi. Cause it, being such a small school at the time, everybody knew everybody. I guess he called them their placement counselor said, we got this job offer sitting on our desk. You interested? And I went, okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly. And she said, it's for a cruise ship. And I'm like, okay, uh, what? And she said the, the way they described it, and if you've ever worked on the Sovereign, you'll get a kick out of this. So we're looking for a lighting technician to come on and run. We have automated lights. There's over a thousand light fixtures in the showroom. It will be your job and your job only, and you don't have to, to worry about it. I was like, are you kidding? Okay, sure. Let's apply. So because I had lost my seniority at Disney, let's apply. So I applied. Can't remember who called me back. I got a call and they said, asked me about three questions and said, can you be on the ship tomorrow? <laughs> no, I actually have to do due diligence and give Disney a, a, a two week notice and I have to break the lease of my apartment and yada, yada, yada. So literally I was on the ship two weeks later. I joined the Sovereign uh, Cruise number 10 and no joke, <laughs> April 1st of 1988. <laughs> oh, wow. There's the background and the the entrance into the cruise ship world. You said that was 1989. It was 1988. 1988. 1988. Yeah. The well, what was the like coming on to the ship for the first time? Well, I was going to use that as my cruise story, but we can, we can go ahead and we can go right into it. Let's okay. just do it right now. My name is Rich Burt and here is my cruise ship story. Get down to Miami. No idea what to expect. So the first thing they do is put you up in a hotel. They send you over to these tailors and you have to pick up all your crew. We had to pick up all our crew staff uniform because at that time, they had never had technicians on a ship. So the Sovereign, being as Ray Rouse would call it, the largest cruise ship in the world. He actually said something more. He said largest twice. <clears throat> they had hired a, a, a guy named Jeff White, who was actually the first true technician Royal Caribbean had ever had. Um, prior to that, cruise ships had always had some crew staff member would go back and been trained how to just push faders up and down to turn mics on and off. So the Sovereign came out with a full-blown stage. They had, a, I think, a six or seven piece orchestra, nine piece orchestra for the, the showroom and full blown lighting console, major audio console. So they actually needed real techs. So Jeff White had gone to France and brought it out and they didn't have a lighting tech. 
So back then, I don't know if this name rings a bell with anybody, Bob Leninger, Big Bob. Big Bob. He was actually doing the lights in the showroom and DJing on the ship in addition to all his crew staff duties. I thought he just was a port lecturer. No, Big Bob, Big Bob was crew staff. He brought the sovereign out. He was part of the, the part of the original crew. So you've had on CJ Romano. She was in the cast. She was working for uh, uh, Greg Thompson at the time. Bob Leninger. So I uh, get to Miami, get the crew to the uniforms and get on the ship. And they go, okay, welcome aboard. We don't have a cabin for you yet, but we'll find one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, very typical. <laughs> so I sign on with um, uh, Jackie Perry, Teresa Bally, who is married to... Ozer. The three of us are the sign-ons that day. So we sign on. Teresa, was we'll the, wasn't she um, um, a super pretty, long, dark hair? Yes, English. Was she, she was married to a dining room manager our, guy? Yeah, yeah Ozer Ballard. Okay, I think, I, yeah. okay, I remember They're that. still married today, living here in Orlando. They, I believe he still works for Disney. Wow. I believe he's like food and beverage manager for Disney. If you have contact with them, connect us. I do have, I, I think I've got her phone number. So we sign on, we're hanging out, ship sets sail, still don't have a cabin. So our first, my first week, Jackie Perry is also, if you don't know, remember her or know her, she was a Miss North Carolina, Miss USA pageant, stunningly beautiful and very talented, just starting on ships herself. And they're like, we don't have a cabin. Do you two mind living together? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, so, that's nuts. It, I'm sure you guys have done it before. <laughs> But usually, usually if we force somebody to do that, it was two, usually, like two guys, yeah, the two same girls. gender. Yeah, it wasn't like a guy and a girl. That was that was very odd that they would even ask that question. That's yeah. that's pretty crazy. Much well, less Jack a guy I... like Rich and a girl like Jack. <laughs> <laughs> she was a North Carolina girl, down home Southern, sweet as all could be, and you know, just starting on ships. And so we both were as innocent as could be, and. So we ended up in an inside cabin in about in a you know bunk beds. And um with my schedule, obviously being sound engineer, I'm doing nights. She was crew staff and she'd have to do like ship shape and be up first thing in the morning. So we didn't see a whole lot of each other. And we're like tiptoed around the cabin trying not to wake each other up most of the time. So the first week was so was, bizarre. I just I just don't even get that. That's just oh, and it's it, it gets better. So we have to wear cruise ship, cruise staff uniform. So back in the day, it was Pink, baby blue, and burgundy with a white striped shirt. You had white pants to wear during the day. Cream pants at night that you wore with the blue blazer and the tie. Mm -hmm. And then the tuxedo for formal nights. As a technician, you know, Scott, you're a, you're a stage staff. How am I supposed to keep white pants and cream pants clean? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I get on the ship and the first night of shows, Big Bob is teaching me the ropes. So I walk into the showroom that had a thousand lighting fixtures. Well, it had about 40 lighting fixtures, but it had these three giant circles of light bulbs. <laughs> they counted all those. I guess. I mean, I don't know. And then they had this system called a telescan thing. So it was a telescan, which was a giant version of a moving light. The box was like three feet long with this two foot arm on it and a mirror. And they had four of these out in the showroom on the floor and nobody know how to use them because the only directions in the show in the, in the ship were in French. So oh, Jeff no. <laughs> knew enough French to at least be able to turn them on. And all big Bob would do during the show is take the joint, take the, uh, it had a roller ball and just take the roller ball and go, <laughs> during the show. He's like, it's all we can do to do this. And then they had this little light board and it was so funny. And, and so Jeff and I, 
ended up starting to do the shows and I got used to the lighting, but then being crew staff all of a sudden had this unexpected thing of, I had to go up for men's night. So I think it was Thursday nights. That's a we all had night. to put on our blues. They had the, the, the five piece band, you know, a la Bill Barron. I can't remember who it was back in the day, the five piece band and all these little old ladies that wanted to dance. Oh, so I, all the I crew staff would stand up on stage and the little old ladies would come by and ask you to dance. And you had to go out and dance with them. Wow. I'm like, um, wait, excuse me. I'm a sound engineer. I don't even know how to dance. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hit you with the rollerball. <laughs> Pretty much. So that was the first week. Um, Jackie and I ended up living together for, I think, about a month before we finally got what? a signed oh cabin. Oh, my God. I cannot <laughs> believe that they yeah, did we're, that. We're, I, don't, I can't remember if we were in a past. No, I think it was a crew. I'm pretty sure it was a crew cabin, but we ended up, it was it was pretty funny. <laughs> wow. I'll tell you, I, and I know just from other Cruise Lines experience, they do not want to give up the revenue. They want to sell every single cabin. They do not want to block it for crew. They're just yeah. like, oh, somebody won't show up. They will just make a move from week to week because we'll have a last-minute cancellation. But remember back then, they used to sell cruises on the pier. So people would yeah, exactly. wait. And then they could just buy. If somebody didn't show, they could just buy. So the ships never, it rarely sailed with any any available cabins. I remember I, those I days. Yeah. I think I've told this on the on the, the show before, but um, I had to sleep in the medical facility for a week. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that. I've heard of that. They didn't oh, have man. a cabin. There was no cabin. To, there was no crew cabin. There was no passenger cabin. I had to sleep in the medical facility. They used to put people in the brig. Like if there wasn't enough space, crew member, like, okay, there's yeah. no space. Karen O'Sullivan had to stay in the brig for more than a week because there was no cabin. It's like, okay, well, there you go. Wow. <laughs> That's wow. So there's a ship story behind that one too, that hopefully we'll get her on one day. Now, yeah. now because you guys spent so much time in the cabin and stuff, was there any, uh, you know, any, any people like, are you guys dating? Are you, you know, people asked us, but Jackie and I, uh, we were the best of friends. It never, it never ended up being that way. But I ended up. We got to be really good friends, and plea, at one plea, point, plea in the fifth. I get it. No, we we actually it was <laughs> totally platonic. We never kidding. we never did do anything. I mean, I would have. I mean, she was stunning. There was there was no denying it. But I ended up actually helping her make some demos because she was such a good singer. I think she ended up marrying, and then I think she got divorced from uh, one of the Norwegian engineers. His name was Art, and she had a. She was trying to make a singing career. She was. I think she. I don't know if she went to Nashville or was gonna go to Nashville, but something along those lines. I think she's back in North Carolina now, which is where she's from, like around the Asheville awesome. area. That's one of the things that I thought was really cool. That here you're on the cruise ship, and and there are you know. You you get in you get into your your job whether you're purse or backstage or, or crew staff or whatever and you get to a point where you're bored and and you look for different things to do but part of the thing that I always thought was cool is cast members or crew staff members or whoever that wanted to further their music or or you know career or something like that um, they would you know, ask their buddy, the sound guy and the lights guy and the video programmer to, you know, Hey, can you help me out? And, you know, let's make a video or Dave Bentley. Uh, hey, can you write me some charts? You know, when I get off the ships, I want to have a, you know, if there was money involved, it wasn't that much. It was either just a tiny bit. It was usually drinks or a couple of cases of beer. Yeah, exactly. I always thought that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Jack, we, we did a, like four songs for a demo and 
I don't know if it went anywhere or not. But So how long did you get before you guys were like, oh, yeah, you could program this whole show. You could hit go and not do anything. <laughs> that was that was never that was never a thing on the Sovereign. The Sovereign, their sound console was it was a decent recording room console. It was 24 channels. Um, and back then the shows were, were, uh, when I first joined, we were doing, uh, Greg Thompson. So the way the shows worked, it was a pre-recorded two track, uh, reel to reel. Well, the one on the majesty I remember was a concept TI, but it was very small. Oh, I can, I can tell you all about that. Cause I was in on all that. So we can, we can go from where the sovereign went through all the stages before the monarch and majesty came out. <laughs> I did all of those. I was involved in all of that intimately. <laughs> so how long did you work on ships versus just then moving over and doing new builds and doing that sort of thing? So I was on ships for, I did a little bit of both. So I was on ships from 88 to, let's see, my daughter was born in 95. So 88 to 94 to go into the office. So I was in the office for just under three years before the accountants came in and went, either you're full-time or you're not. I actually went from there to HMS. I don't know if you guys know that, the French company that actually did all the installations for all the sound and lighting on the ships. So I worked for them for about another three to four years. So mm -hmm. all told in the industry, about 15 years. And so you yeah. went for other lines as well doing? Um, well, when I went to HMS, um, we did all the ships. So they did for Princess, Carnival, Royal Caribbean. And then we also did the Renaissance ships. So when R1 came out, I sat down with Paramount and went, you guys need to redesign some of this. So we redesigned the showrooms. And then I was involved in the, through HMS and tied in with Paramount, involved in all eight of their ships. Did you, did you sail with those when? I did all the takeouts, the preliminary cruises till everybody was set on board, till the equipment was running and the techs were, were comfortable. So I would say I wasn't on any one of their ships for more than six weeks. Okay. And but we, we, ha we had to been on this, on the ships together because I brought, R1, R2, and R3 out from the you, shipyard. There was, I don't know if you, I don't know if it was R1 or R2. There was a crew meeting that took place in the main show, in their main showroom, you know, which was small anyway. And I had to do some work on a projector and I had to run some cables and the projectors came out of the ceiling and I dropped the projector thing down so that I could run cables behind it. And somebody in the booth hit it in the middle of that meeting and cranked my arm up in there. So I started screaming bloody murder in the middle of, in the middle of this big crew meeting in the, in the, showroom <laughs> right. it was either r1 or i think it was r2 that, that Maybe, actually i would think that. right that you would remember something like that <laughs> i don't recall they were very, yeah. they, yeah, were, they were great ships to go back to the monarch of the seas the monarch was one of the first they had these two massive video walls they were <laughs> what were they scott five by five six by four five by five i think right no, the, video the size walls. of the monarch the size of the, the walls yeah, I think each wall was five by five or no, six by six. No, dude, they, they were, I think they were the same size as the Majesty, but they had yeah, they been, they had been no, eight I, feet, eight or nine feet tall. No, I didn't, but the the monitors, I think it was like six by six in terms of monitors, oh, yeah, yeah, not yeah. including all the, the, the junk on top. So yeah, we left New York on a press junket and it's two and a half, three hours before showtime. Paramount was on there doing all, they're, they're the scenery guys. And so because it's so early, we still have them all on. We're all at dinner and all of a sudden we're coming out of New York and something happens and the captain had to swerve. He made a hard turn. So these video monitors had these things called little feet and these little feet were supposed to hold them from moving. <laughs> Guess what? Didn't do such a good job. So the stage left wall came flying out, crashed into the stage right wall 
sent it over the end of the railing into the bulkhead and pushed the bulkhead back about six inches because each side of the wall weighed a ton. It was oh 2,000 pounds for each of those walls. <laughs> oh, and this is two hours before feet. showtime. Ripped all the electronics out, everything. And that was on the but Monarch? That, yeah, there's a there's a lot of bad Monarch stories. Go, must go on. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. the Monarch, the Majesty, I heard you guys talking. Everybody said the House of Majesty was so wonderful and such a beautiful uh, experience. The Monarch was the exact polar opposite. We went through absolute hell bringing that shit back. And it, and it lingered. It, it, it actually got to the point that it hurt because people had come over from the Majesty that performed on the Majesty and go, why is it so bad over here and so good over there? <laughs> I, You know, I remember, I mean, you know, obviously like uh -oh. Majesty was my first ship. Yeah. For some reason, it dumped out of my headphones and into the uh, into my speaker. Go ahead. I had a great time on the majesty and stuff, but the monarch, you know, when I was on the monarch, it was so much fun, but we never had any, pro maybe you guys panned them all out, you know, before I got there, but you know, I had the best time on the monarch. It took a long, it took a lot of time. I mean, you remember Scott Rushton, he came on the ship and, and hated it his first time when he relieved me. Second time he came back, we, it, it just, what happened with the monarch, um, I brought the Empress out and then I brought the Monarch out. What happened with the Monarch? The Monarch, we got on board. They wouldn't let us touch anything. And they turned the ship over. You know, they did the whole flag ceremony, everything, you know, yeah, 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 everything's beautiful. And they go, you now have 48 hours to get a, a full, complete show up in the showroom. Not a light, <laughs> not a cable had been run, not a thing had been tested. And you got 48 hours to put a show on. Everybody's like, are you out of your minds? And that's the way it went. So we had to do two or three nights of shows in Southampton. I don't know how we got to show up. I know the sound quality was crap. We did a crossing for five days and had to have complete perfect shows by the time we got to New York. And it just was downhill the entire time. It was it was just nobody, you know, I mean, and it wasn't just us. It wasn't just the entertainment. It was everybody, you know, the dining room, the bars, um, Nobody had time to do anything. You know, none of the loungers were ready. It was just, it was like, do a show because the Empress was so wonderful. They're like, it was it's perfect. It's got to be like that. It was perfect. The Monarch wasn't that way. Our opening oh. performer was Lou Rawls. Oh, wow. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, he brought his own sound man. Man, I got raked over the coals. <laughs> I, <laughs> he was so mad at me and did not even want me anywhere near the show. And I'm like, I have to be in the booth with you. Because I have to take care of the stuff that you don't know how to take care of, like the cruise director coming out and finishing the show and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, he just did not want to talk to me. <laughs> well, maybe the monarch just was a bad omen since the beginning when it first burnt. When it burnt. The... So you did. You also did the Majesty. Then Jeff White did that ship. Ah, uh, okay. So I did. When, when did we? When did we meet? My career path was the Sovereign, eighty-eight, eighty-nine. Then I quit when I met my. Uh, my ex and we oh, got off ships because right. she was she was on the monarch cast what so we went from greg thompson to millerish and i okay. met my wife when millerish ended their shows and i got off ships we went to live in chicago things weren't working out in chicago and jim Murray called me and said or no i said i'm going back to ships and so i went back and they put me on the song of america which was a surprise to me because they really didn't let us off the Sovereign, Jeff and I, because they're like the smaller ships don't need technicians. We got the crew staff and it can handle it. And so they put me on the Song of America and it was cool. I love that ship. I mean, their booth is 60 feet wide. I mean, you could sleep in there. I mean, it was the biggest thing around. And what year was and that? It would have been 89, 90. Okay. I got in there. Uh, I think when I first signed on, it might have been Greg Maxwell who was the cruise director. 
Greg Max was on that ship for a long time because when I, I joined, that was my first ship. And when I joined in 91, summer of 91, Greg Maxwell was on there. I was gone by 91 because that's when the Monarch came out. That was my last yeah. ship. And I, I left in 98 or 99. That was I mean, I love the Song of America. It was a yeah. great ship. The Oklahoma but the day I walked was still on. like really that awful yellow color in the Oklahoma lounge. 70s yeah, color it was yeah. always that awful that <laughs> it was yellow horrible. or whatever it was terrible it was literally something out of like uh what was that show um in the 70s uh laughing uh, like you oh, see yeah. that laughing lounge with the <laughs> yellow and the white or, leather and the or sunny the and gold chair, poles with the those. speakers hanging on them <laughs> yeah yeah now well, let, me, let me ask you this and maybe this is full sale and maybe it's real maybe it's not i don't know but i remember we we would all have our minds blown and this is this was with you and Jeff White when you guys would be walking around on you're tweaking all of the equalizers and the sounds and stuff. And um, I remember Murph was running the sound back and forth and you guys would walk around on stage and you're like, hey, lower this, you know, lower this 1K up 4.7K and, and uh, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I remember Murph in that, you know, we were in the sound booth and he's like, I don't know what he thinks he's doing. You can't hear 1K or you can't. You can't dis- distinguish 4.2 or 2.7K or whatever it is. So he was like, watch this. And I, I don't know if it was you or Jeff, but, you know, you were like, bring up the monitors. <laughs> yeah, bring bring up the, the 1.7K. And Murph would take it down the other way. And he's like, no, no. I said up, not down. And Murph was like, oh. You can hear everything basically from about 50 hertz to about, if you've got really good hearing to about 12K well, that knocks in, the, out in the range, if, if not, you know, most people like, as, and as you get older, it diminishes, you know, so, but you can, I mean, Jeff was very good at dialing in monitors. We did that a lot on the Sovereign. Yeah. That's a freaking nature. And then it was, uh, then it was funny. Like you guys, I don't know if this was a call from you guys from the office, but um, when you guys would come on and set all of the sound equipment, um, you're like, all right, don't touch it. And you ended up putting plexiglass <laughs> walls in front of everything so nobody could touch anything. Well, we had to eventually because it sounds egotistical, but it's, it's and I've, I've seen it actually even since I've left the ships. Um, a lot of people don't know how to do that. A lot of people like to think they do and they play with things and they really shouldn't. So myself, Scott Rushton, Jeff, there might have been one or two other. I can't remember back in the day. Murph was a lighting guy. Big John. uh, uh, Oh, John LaPosa. Big John. Big John was a, a, you're talking the the British, the black British guy. Yeah. He was a lighting guy. I don't know how much audio he knew. I was with him for his first contract. He's a very, very talented lighting guy. He ended up going to Disney too. I believe their tech director over there. You'd hear all these stories and people come off going, they don't know what they're doing. So it was like, we'll give you access to the monitors, but you can't touch anything front of house. You're done. Because <laughs> they'd start tweaking the sound for the, the main showroom. And, you know. Well, one as, of the guys, like like in the uh, on the Song of America, I had to I had to let go a sound guy because he kept changing y'all settings and we would get, you know, and I was the stage manager on the Song of America which I would get in a lot of trouble for when the comments would come in from the comment cards. And, yeah. uh, you know, Greg Maxwell was, was yelling down my neck and I'm like, I've turned him down. Like I've told him to turn him down. And, you know, it was just like, you know, if he does it again, you know, you're, you're going to have to get, you know, get him somebody else. And I, you know, I, I had to let him go. And I was like, that, that sucks because he was, he was an old, I can't remember his name, but he was an old rocker and he was wanting more bass and more this and, you know, <laughs> vibrating the, you know, the floor under the Song of America didn't have that capability. <laughs> let's uh, let's hear some of your your good stories about uh, 
Well, uh, let me ask you this. Where's the strangest place that you've uh, done it on the, on the ship? <laughs> I might have to take the fifth backstage. Mm. The sad thing is I don't have, you know, I was listening to, to like Jennifer Block tell her story about, you know, St. Mark's Square and you guys being out and missing the ship and somebody falling into the, the canals in Venice and all that. And I'm like, I didn't get off the ship that much to get drunk because I had to work every night. I know one time there was, I wasn't, I went is out. That a, is that a thing sober enough to hear? <laughs> it is. I mean, drinking actually does affect uh, what you hear and how you it, how you run a show. I forget what it was. I had met a passenger on the Sovereign on the Song of America, and we were off. And I we drank all day and hooked up with her family and her friends, and we just had a great time all day. And I came back, and they're like, "I'm like, I'm just going to take a nap." All of a sudden, somebody's like, "It's a half hour to showtime. Where the hell are you?" Uh, uh, I'll be there. <laughs> Somehow I managed to pull it together. And I think I just did the show by going, I know it's time to push that button. I think it's time to push that button. Okay. <laughs> Ray Rouse would come back. And the Sovereign's sound booth was in the service bar. So you'd have to go through the service bar and then you'd come up and you're like in the in the middle of the, the tiers that go up in the back. We're doing a show one night and it's ships. So we had drinks behind us. Jeff and I were doing the show. We had totally forgotten about our drinks and all of a sudden ray was in the booth going excuse me what ray we're doing the show he goes how long have those drinks been there since the start of the show took him away and he brought back fresh drinks and sat down. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, this is this is my first gig on ships and i'm looking at ray i'm like thank you okay this is what kind of gig is this okay i'll take it <laughs> honestly i think we all had that experience when you first start working on a ship and you're working and the question is what do you want to drink I think for most people, the idea of working, I mean, drinking while you're working is uh, very foreign. Like nobody would expect that. But on a ship, it's normal. I, I don't know yeah. if it's still normal today. Do you remember Vicky? Oh, I know you do, Scott. Vicky Davis. You guys might have run into her because she'd pop on and off. Uh, choreographer, beautiful, flaming red hair. Mm -hmm. I know the name. Um, she's still, I think she's just now decided she doesn't want to do anymore, but she's still been teaching ca uh, casts and doing things on ships. And she said, now it's completely different. There's time cards. There's, um, mm. there's sobriety tests. Yeah. You're not allowed to be drunk. You know, all this kind of, there's, there's a whole lot of rules. And I'm like, I look back on when I was on ships, ah, my work week was anywhere between 60 and 80 hours being head tech. Cause I had to do all the maintenance for all the lounges and everything else. And there's no way I could punch into a 40 hour time card and keep up with how the do job. You, how do you even do a time card? Like your time it's card not a is... 40 hour time card. No, they do have time cards. Um, you, you punch, you have like this card that you basically swipe when you start work or not. Uh, and then when, as you're off work, I thought you start but work no, the they, second yeah. you sign on. Uh, pretty much, <laughs> but you know, ex but, you know, people, the jobs are a little different. Obviously you guys were running around a lot because you had a lot yeah. of different things you had to do. So it's kind of hard to like check in or not. And so there, there's been issues around that, but yeah. And I mean, I mean, the, the ILO is, I think you're allowed is 77 hours a week is 11 hours a day. So I think you're allowed 77 hours. Well, that's what you week. can show. <laughs> right that's not what you the, can not show. actually what you're working yeah no back in the day there were no limits back then in the first ships there was no crew bar the crew bar really was just the the jamaicans and the filipinos there was nothing down there really it was just you know there were 
maybe two or three types of beer and that was it. And he just didn't do it. Any other stories? Well, I mean, there was uh, a couple of people brought up the fire on the uh, Nordic campers. It was actually the first ship. The Nordic campers was a very unique ship. It was actually built for a different cruise line and then taken over by Royal Caribbean. There were actually washers and dryers for the crew. So you didn't have to take all of your laundry and send it down to the Chinese laundry. You could actually do your own laundry. It was one of the casts. It was a friend of ours, Bridget Morrison, put her laundry in and, and the tops <laughs> had been ripped off these things and they've Talking been about somebody by- who could drink. <laughs> Just a wee bit. She fell asleep and it was her clothes in the dryer and it was an electrical fire in the dryer. Yeah. Oh, that ended up going into the walls. And that's what started the fire on the Empress. And they pulled everybody out and said, put towels over your nose and mouth and go back. And it ended where those crew elevators are right at the bow of the ship. They got it out pretty quickly. It wasn't the amount of smoke was unbelievable. Do you remember um, back in the day we used to take over Dancing Under the Stars? We would all go and we had to stay. We couldn't be out on the dance floor and that side of the bar, but we mm-hmm. had to, we could be over against the windows. Yeah. So yeah. then it turned into a black extravaganza because yeah. we'd go up, stage, you guys had come up, the band had come up, and then all of the the shoppies and the, the salon who had to be in black would come up. So that entire side, that, that starboard side, or no, port side against the glass was all people in black and pe- the passengers would look at us going, what the hell's going on um, over there? We're just going to stay over here. <laughs> like the crew staff would get off earliest. And so they would start the party and then, the, and then everybody would come see the shows. And then the dancer, you know, we had everybody run to their cabins and, you know, shower. And, you know, a couple of us would go to the midnight buffet, but you meet in the disco. So the dancers would have, and then when the disco closed, everybody would move down to the dancers hallway, which would go from like, I don't know, one thirty to three. And then everybody moved down to the casino hallway and then whoever was still alive at that point went down to the Botox hallway. You, you were solid drinking from about 10 o'clock to, you know, four in the morning. I mean, it really is amazing that we all still have livers left with what we did on ships. <laughs> yeah. So we're at the uh, end of our show. You have any uh, last uh, stories that you want to get off your chest? Let let, uh, let anybody know. I met my wife, Trace. She I was going to was... say, as we leave, tell us how you guys met because Trace is the coolest girl. She was in a cast on the Monarch. I think it was on the Monarch, right? You might have met her on the Monarch. Well, we, well, yeah. Royal Caribbean with the Nordic Empress decided for the first time to go in-house. There's a little drama to the story. There's a little not. It's a good story to so at the time I was married to my ex, um, we literally got married the day after the wedding. I flew to France to get ready to bring the Empress out. She went back to rehearsals in Miami. My ex, her name is Lori, and my current wife is Trace. And so Trace had asked Lori to be her roommate, knowing that Lori would be staying in my cabin, which would give her her own cabin. I did not know that. So here's the the, the drama is... Trace, they, they, the dancers get over there and I look at Trace and I'm like, I swear I know you. And she goes, no, you don't. I'm like, yeah, I do know you. And in my heart, I fell for Trace the instant I saw her, I but saw I had just gotten married. Oh. You know, I, I just got oh, married and I'm like, man. oh, this is really bad. This so is a script. Tur- this is a movie script. <laughs> <laughs> this, is it. This, is, this, is, this has got something. There was another dancer. His name's Brian, Lori, and then Trace and myself ended up being the four best friends. Is this curly headed Brian? Brian Terrell. He was a dancer. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. he ended up in the office being a choreographer and stuff. So we ended up being the best friends. We hung out. We did everything together, the whole nine yards with the first contract. The second contract comes around, and Lori and Trace aren't such great friends. That's okay. So now Trace and I are friends. So a long story short, a couple, you know, another year, and Lori and I get divorced. Trace comes on the Monarch to put in a cast. I see her. She sees me, and I'm like, "Hey, how are you doing?" And it was with Vicky. 
Did you try that again? I know you from somewhere. With too much, too much had been under the bridge. And so <laughs> um, Vicki Davis and Catherine Gaines, which are still two of her best friends to this day, oh we're putting in Catherine the show. Gaines. And once you meet Catherine, you don't forget her. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> Trace sees me and I see her and we start talking. And a couple nights later, we have a drink together and stuff. And one thing leads to another. And, and it was pretty much immediate. And then Vicki and Catherine got off the show, the ship to let Trace finish the second week of of putting in the shows stay away from him he's bad news we uh literally it was a whirlwind so that was early no late 93 and within a year we met i got off ships moved in with her we got married and then we had our we had our daughter <laughs> awesome so wow. now was, did you propose was, on the ship around the ship or after the ships after the ships uh we got off i got off when i totally got off ships which i ended up going back Thought I was getting off permanently, went back again, drove to her apartment in Miami and another quick fun story. So I took her out to dinner, went to the melting pot, had a great dinner. Like, let's go to the beach. She goes, are you nuts? This is Miami beach. Someone's going to get shot. And I went, that's a beach. How dangerous can it be? So we go out to Miami beach and you know, the big lifeguard stands that had the rails and it's like a little hut. We sit on the rail. I propose to her. I love you. I love you. This is great. Literally a hundred yards away and not even a hundred yards, about 200 feet away. Freeze. like six shots (laughs) we looked at each other like love you love you let's get the hell out of here (laughs) oh wow that's yeah that was that was our engagement it's like we're not gonna forget that one (laughs) just a quick question Catherine Gaines because I think it's the same one she ended up working for Princess at Shoreside in Los Angeles her husband yeah her husband is actually uh was a hotel direct shoreside hotel director i think he was oh, yeah. he was one of the two his name is carlos oh yeah carlo um uh Rebagliati, isn't it yes yeah, something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that yeah yeah, yeah he, so um, I, they're still together oh yeah she's great i yeah. so she ran or she worked in the youth programs over at princess so i got to work with her quite a bit shoreside because i did um i did a lot of the scheduling so i got to work with her she was fantastic she was a lot of fun i don't remember her from royal but i remember her from princess and she's great we stayed up lots of nights doing uh scott knows about how the automation works and doing the 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 simpty time code to to all the lighting cues for the show and the staging cues (laughs) spent many hours drinking lots of coffee all night Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. you guys are doing this. This is this is really a, a very cool thing, and thank you for it. Oh yeah, yeah. Thank well, thanks for thank coming you. on and and you know getting it uh, getting it on the record, and and now it's there forever. So when oh, we God. when we lose Wait, our minds all did, the way, did I make a mistake? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. No, no, it's been, it's been great. No, of course not. Well, hey man, thanks for coming on, Rich. It's always great to. Uh, well, I can't say always great to to hear and see you because you know the last time has been you know. 25 28 years ago but uh, i do got to give a a shout out to trace galvin or trace burt to uh, um uh, say thanks for letting rich come on here and she did give me a warning she's like be careful what you say while you're on there (laughs) (laughs) scott did say that when he called me he's like (laughs) yeah i was like hey do you want to come on the show and he was like yeah and my next question was did you tell trace is she okay with it Uh, you have to get I'll Trace see if on I here. can get her to uh, to come on and, and represent the, uh, the wave review. Wave review, that's it. <laughs> the wave review, singers and dancers. Yes, wave to, to represent. Review. I don't think you've had many. Royal Royal Caribbean. Caribbean. <laughs> wave 
Actually, do you know the very first on the Nordic Empress captain would actually come down on the Nordic Empress and hand out playbills to the passengers? Oh, wow. I've never heard of that. Yeah, Captain Bo Swenson was his name. He was the coolest captain in the world. There it is. <laughs> what shows are those? Uh, Showstoppers, Live at the Copa, and Imaginique. Because it was Showstoppers, Live at the Copa, and City Frights, City Lights. City Lights, oh, yeah. City I Lights on the Monarch. Wasn't it, wasn't it called shitty, shitty Lights? Uh, we usually called it Shitty Frights. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for being nice and gentle. I appreciate it. <laughs> Nice to meet you. Yeah. And uh, and thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Everybody have a good one. And I appreciate it. All right. See you, Rich. (laughs) It was cool. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a really cool guy. I don't, I don't, I don't know that I worked with him, but obviously we, you know, know a lot of the same people as we sailed at the same time. Hey everyone, the ship is about to set sail, which brings us to an end for today. We hope that you enjoy the podcast for bonus audio. And if you would like to see this podcast and video, please visit our YouTube channel, My Ship Story. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as My Ship Story. Don't forget to let us know if you're a past or present crew member and if you have a story that you would like to tell or if you like, you can email us your story for us to read on the air. Email us at myshipstorypodcast at yahoo.com. That's myshipstorypodcast at yahoo.com. Goodbye for now and be sure to tune in next week, same time, as we'll have a new podcast every Monday. Bon voyage!